I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 18 of Eclipse titled Instruction. So where we left off, Bella had that flop party and she invited the werewolves to it, which was just so inappropriate. But anyway, as soon as they come, I don't know, Alice has some sort of fucking vision. I'm still figuring out how Alice's visions work. You know what? I don't think even Stephanie Meyer knows at this point because it changes every chapter, right? Or am I just not getting it? It could just be me not getting it, but I don't get it. Anyway, her visions have gone murky. So that means that the werewolves are now on their side now on their side. Not that they ever asked them to help with this newborn vampire army. They really overlooked that. Anyway, lots of realizations were had. Anyway, they're going to team up and prevent this newborn vampire army that is rapidly descending on Forks. And Bella is stressed. So we start chapter 18, the party's finished and Bella's like, oh God, that was a long party. She said that had to be the longest party in the history of the world. In the history, it was like three hours, Bella three hours. Have you ever gone clubbing on Oxford Street the night after Mardi Gras? That's a long party. She has a little house party for graduation. Oh, it's the longest party in the whole entire world. I don't know about that. But Edward's like soothing her because she's so distressed about the thought of the wolves dying or the vampires dying. She doesn't want anyone to die. Well, tough tits, Bella. This is life. People die. Well, actually, now that I think of it, it's been like 15 years since I read this book. I don't even know how long. But I don't think anyone does end up dying, do they? (laughs) I think in this series, only the villains die. And even then, it's just like James and Victoria, maybe. I don't even know. So Edward's soothing her and Alice also reassured her. She says, Alice was reaching up to pat my head as I left. How tiny is Alice if she's got to reach up to pat Bella's head? I know she's described as being tiny, but is she comically tiny? Is she Thumbelina? Also, super condescending, Alice. You can see the future, but you can't see how your own behavior can be considered condescending. You don't pat someone on the head to soothe them. But she says everyone else was fine. She says Emmett was laughing boisterously. She says Jacob's solution had them all relaxed, almost euphoric after the long weeks of stress. I don't know if Jasper knows that he has the power to make people feel that way. I don't know if this is just Jasper's impact or if they had actually all just been sitting in the Cullens' house depressed and anxious for weeks and Jasper didn't, didn't even try to counteract that. But she says the party had ended on a note of true celebration, but not for me. Not for me, because oh no, everyone she's ever loved is in danger because of her. She says not Jacob, not his foolish eager brothers, most of them even younger than I was. They're just oversized, over-muscled children. You know what? They're supernatural beings. I think they can handle things for themselves. Oversized, over-muscled children. They turn into giant wolves. She's so worried about them being in danger. And so Bella says, you're taking me with you tonight to Edward. And he's like, what? Uh, we're meeting at like 3 a.m. Don't you think you want to go to bed? And she says, you think I could sleep? And he's like, oh, Jesus. He goes, okay, well... I don't really know if it's the best idea, you know, you coming to a clearing full of wolves and vampires who are mortal enemies and just standing in the middle. We might not, you know, have as much control as we want. We might not end up cooperating. Like this is kind of dangerous. And she just says, well, if you won't take me, then I'll call Jacob. 
So she's really leaning into the whole playing the two of them against each other, right? She wants them to get along, but she is throwing Jacob in Edward's face. And I'm sure she'll do the same to Jacob at some point as well. I don't really think that's a nice like trump card to play against your boyfriend or to put your best friend in that situation either. Like, I don't know. Seems pretty tacky. And she even says that was a low blow and I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) but she says there's no way I was being left behind. She's willing to go with the low blow. So Edward drops her home. She's got to spend a few hours at Charlie's house, apparently just to, you know, I don't know, keep up a charade or something, even though Charlie's asleep on the couch. And she's like, Charlie, get up, Charlie. You're going to hurt your back if you sleep on the couch like that. Charlie, go to bed, Charlie, go to bed. Like we could have just skipped over this charade of her just waiting upstairs in her bedroom for a few hours until the meeting because Charlie, he doesn't give a shit. He's on the couch asleep. So she's helping him to bed. (laughs) Listen to this. She says, his eyes didn't open all the way, but I managed to get him off the couch. I helped him up to his bed where he collapsed on the top of the covers, fully dressed and started snoring again. Has he been doped up? Like I've been tired before, sure. But I always manage to take my clothes off. Like why does a grown ass man need his daughter to help him get to bed? I think he might've been doped up or is a drunk or something. That's something for us to explore. I think Charlie Swan is a drunk. So then she goes back to her room after presumably doing a dump. She says, Edward waited in my room while I washed my face and changed into jeans and a flannel shirt. Just say you did a dump. We all know you secretly take dumps while Edward's waiting in the bedroom and he's politely pretending that he can't hear it. God, it must be uncomfortable for her to be a human dating a vampire. I get why she wants to leave that all behind her must be terrible. Anyway, so Edward's sitting in a rocking chair watching, (laughs) she says, watching as I hung the outfit Alice had given me in my closet. Does it not need a wash? She's just spent all day in the longest party in history wearing those clothes, but I guess they don't need a wash. So then her and Edward just canoodle on the bed for a little bit. And he says, this is going to work, Bella. I can feel it. And she says, he's still radiating relief. They're so relieved that the werewolves can help them. Why they didn't think of that before, it's beyond me, but I'm not gonna get back into that again because it sent me into a tailspin last week. He says, listen to me, Bella, this is going to be easy. The newborns will be completely taken by surprise. They'll have no more idea that werewolves even exist. I truly believe that the wolves' hunting techniques will work flawlessly against them. Okay, that's a lot of confidence. And she's not buying into it. She's still so stressed that those overgrown, overmuscled children are in danger. And so he starts humming her lullaby to try and get her to shut up and calm down. Doesn't really work. She says, people I loved were going to get hurt, hurt because of me, again. I think she needs to stop taking responsibility for everything. Like, how is this your fault? It's technically all Edward's fault. Everything comes back to Edward. He's the one that wanted to date you took you to a meadow where they played a baseball game with his vampire family. And the only reason James was ever interested in you is because of Edward's overprotectiveness. And the only reason Victoria's after you is because James got killed by Edward. It all comes back to Edward. And yet he feels none of this guilt, except she's like, oh no, people are going to get hurt, hurt because of me again. No one really cares that much about you, Bella. Victoria's doing this to get back at Edward. She doesn't care about you at all. You're nothing. You're nothing to these newborn vampires. They do not give a shit about you. It's not about you. It's about the Cullens. And then she says, I wished my bad luck would focus a little more carefully. I felt like yelling up at the empty sky. It's me you want over here. Just me. Again, no, it's not. And also that reminds me of that scene from like scary movie. And I know what you did last summer where Jennifer Love Hewitt, she's like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Or something like that. And then they do a takeoff of that on Scary Movie and she's like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? But then someone's on the roof and he's like, what am I waiting for? Because he's going to jump to commit suicide. And she's down there saying, what are you waiting for? And then he says, fuck you. And then he jumps off the roof. Don't you see? He's got us right where he wants us. We can't go to the police. He's just out there watching us and waiting for us. What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? What are you waiting for? Fuck you! Oh my God. 
Yeah, scary movie. What a hoot. What a hoot. Anyway, that's the vibe that she's giving. And then she says, I tried to think of a way that I could do that, force my bad luck to focus on me. It wouldn't be easy. I would have to wait, bide my time, dot, dot, dot. What? What? How would you do that? Like, I know about the power of positive thinking, but the power of negative thinking? I don't know if that would work. She's trying to manifest bad luck to focus on her. I don't know. And she doesn't end up falling asleep. So I guess that's 3am. Edward scoops her up. They jump out of the bedroom window and then they start running through the forest. They're going to the meeting with the pack. And listen to how contrived this is. They just happen to be meeting at that big open field where they first played baseball. She says, it took me a minute because it was so dark with the moon hidden behind the clouds. But I realized that we were in the baseball clearing. I don't know how she's got that clearing like committed to memory to notice that like a year later in the pitch black darkness. And she does say it was the same place where more than a year ago, that first lighthearted evening with the Cullens had been interrupted by James and his coven. So she's telling us it was a year. I thought in the conversation she just had with Jess Stanley at graduation that she was saying it had been two years. So I didn't realize it was a whole year between Bella moving to Forks and then the baseball game, because that was like, what, 10 chapters. So I'm not too sure that it is actually a year. Someone's lying to me. I'm not too sure. But also it's hilarious that she says, oh, that first lighthearted evening with the Cullens. Okay, well, it wasn't a lighthearted evening because you then had to escape town because you were getting hunted by a tracker. Also, like the first lighthearted evening implies that other lighthearted evenings occurred. And I'm not so sure about that either. You've certainly never played baseball again, that's for sure. Anyway, so why it's contrived is now that she's in the field where they played baseball, she suddenly remembers Victoria exists. She says, oh, it's strange being here. Um, because yeah, this is, this is right where James and Laurent and Victoria joined us. And she says, oh, well, James and Laurent, they're never coming back because they're dead. And then she's like, wait a minute. Hmm. Wonder if there's a pattern here. And then she thinks, hmm, Victoria, I remember her. She used to be quite a big deal in my life that has been forgotten for the past 18 chapters. She says, Victoria had always seemed like a force of nature to me, like a hurricane moving towards the coast in a straight line. (laughs) Oh, had she? Unavoidable, implacable, but predictable. Hmm, maybe I was wrong to limit her that way. Okay, what hurricanes have ever moved in a straight line? Is that a thing? Do hurricanes move in a straight line? I'm not a weather weather girl. I don't, I'm a meteorologist. What's the fancy term for a weather person? I don't know. I'm not a weather person. Um, but I didn't think hurricanes moved in straight lines, but Bella seems to suggest that that is the case. Anyway, she always thought that Victoria was like a hurricane moving in a straight line, but now she's thinking, ah, oh, maybe she's actually capable of adaptation. That's weird. Contrived, contrived. We're finally getting the Victoria realization just because they happen to be at a baseball field. And then Edward, he says, what are you uh, thinking about? And she says, I think it's all connected, not just the two, but all three. And Edward says, you've lost me. He's got like 17 degrees, graduated high school 30 times. You've lost me. I can't follow what you're saying, Bella. There's no way that Victoria has anything to do with this is what he's thinking. And she says, three bad things have happened since you came back the newborns in Seattle, the stranger in my room. Oh, and also like Victoria, she came to look at me like, first of all. And he's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, forgot about her. And then she elaborates. She's like, I agree with Jasper. The Volturi love their rules. (laughs) So they obviously wouldn't be here. She knows so much about the Volturi. I mean, she did visit their headquarters, but really everything she knows about them is all quite secondhand. But she's like, oh, if I know anything, it's that the Volturi love their rules and that they wouldn't be here like doing this in this way, creating newborns. And then she says, remember when you were tracking Victoria last year? Alice said you were in Texas. Did you follow her there? And then he's like, ah, yes, I did. (laughs) So dumb. And then Bella says, see, she could have gotten the idea there, but she doesn't know what she's doing. So the newborns are all out of control. Ah, yes. She went to Dallas and stopped by the Vampire Museum and obviously learned about the newborn vampire wars of the 1830s. Like, okay, really, Bella? Really? Is that what you're thinking? 
Oh, at one point Victoria went to Texas. So obviously she must have learned how to create newborns there, obviously. And then Edward says, yes, but only Arrow knows exactly how Alison's visions work. And she says, "Uh ah, only Arrow knows best. But wouldn't Tanya and Irina and the rest of your friends in Denali know enough? Laurent lived with them for some time. And if he was still friendly enough, well, actually she says, Laurent lived with them for so long. And if he was still friendly enough with Victoria to be doing favors for her, why wouldn't he also tell her everything he knew? I don't know if Laurent did live with them for that long. You just said the baseball game was a year ago and Laurent's been dead since the middle of New Moon. So what are we talking about? Three months, Max? She's like, oh, Laurent, he's practically a native to Denali. He obviously spent so much time talking to Tenya and Arena about Alice, about Alice's visions. Like how often does that come up? And also how's Bella talking about them? Like she's met them. Who do you, how do you know Arena? Why does Bella know more about vampires than Edward does in this scene? And Edward says, well, it wasn't Victoria in your room. And she's like, she can make friends, dude. She's created them. And he's like, oh yeah, I guess it's possible. He says, oh, it's possible. Like, dude, she's laid it all out for you on a platter with all of this knowledge that she should not have. She's had a brainwave at 3am after the longest party in the world. I'd listen to her. But Edward says, "Mm, yeah, maybe. I still think the Volturi are most likely, but there's something to your theory. Your theory suits Victoria's personality. She's shown a remarkable gift for self-preservation from the start. Maybe it's a talent of hers. Blah, blah, fucking blah. So he's sort of like, "Mm, yeah, that makes sense. But he's like, but regardless, we still need to go ahead with learning how to kill newborns. And she's like, okay, well, all right. So then they approach the rest of the Cullens who are waiting in the field. And she says, I noticed for the first time that Alice did not look as optimistic as the others. She stood a little aside, watching Jasper stretching his arms out as if he were warming up to exercise, her lips pushed out in a pout. God, the vampires, they just really don't have poker faces, do they? And she says, is something wrong with Alice? And Edward laughs and he's like, the werewolves are on their way, so she can't see anything that will happen now. It makes her uncomfortable to be blind. Yet she was ecstatic about it last chapter. She was ecstatic. Like, if you don't want the werewolves to come because she won't have visions, then don't go ahead with this plan. Oh, so silly. And then, oh, because Alice has super hearing, she can hear what Edward says. So she sticks her tongue out and he's like, ha ha ha, this is all fun and games. So then Carlisle says to Edward, when will our guests arrive? And then Edward concentrated for a moment and then sighed and said a minute and a half, but I'm going to have to translate. They don't trust us enough to use their human forms. So now either he's become a fortune teller or he's reading the mind of Jacob or Sam or whoever, and he can tell how far away they are. I don't know how he would know that they're a minute and a half away unless one of them was thinking, I'll be there in a minute and a half, even though no one asked them. So why would they be thinking that? And then Bella, she's like, oh my God. She's staring at Edward. Her eyes stretched wide. She says, they're coming as wolves. And then she's like swallowing, like, cause she's scared of the wolves or something. What? She's been, ah, she's so annoying. I swear she's been telling Edward, like, oh, don't worry about me. I'll be fine at La Push. I'm not afraid of the wolves. And now she's like, oh my God, they're coming as wolves. Oh no, what are we going to do? She says, I'd only seen Jacob in his wolf form twice. The first time in the meadow with Laurent and the second time when Paul had gotten angry at me and they, and they turned into wolves. She says they were both memories of terror. So she is afraid of them. Okay. (sighs) Seems like a new bit of information for me, but all right. And then Edward, he's like sort of a bit chuffed about that. He's like, yay, she's afraid of the wolves. And I'm like, yeah, she was also afraid of the Volturi because they ate a whole room full of tourists in front of her. Like you're not getting enough scot-free. And then Edward says, prepare yourselves. They've been holding out on us. And everyone's like, what? What the fuck? That's cryptic. What the hell are you talking about, Edward? And then she says, the Cullens' informal circle suddenly widened out into a loose line with Jasper and Emmett at the spear point. At the spear point. A loose line at the spear point. What is she talking about? Like, wouldn't you just say at at a point, at an arrow? I don't know. A spear point. No, they're not in. Oh, who cares? So then everyone's like, oh my God, because the pack has grown. She's expecting to see six wolves. 
And she's looking and she's trying to see how many sets of eyes she sees. And she sees one, she sees two, she sees three. And then she's like, wah, 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 wah. And then she's like, wait a minute. There's 10 of them, 10 wolves. And Edward says, fascinating. Although like, I don't know how this is news to him. If he knew they were a minute and a half away, how did he not know that there were 10 of them? Has he not read Jacob's mind when they've been dropping Bella off at the meeting point for her little visitations over the past few weeks? How is he shocked? How is he shocked by this? So then Carlisle starts talking to the pack with Edward translating, but Edward talks in a strange flat tone to sort of indicate that he's translating. I think it's bullshit that he can actually still read their thoughts because Alice can't see visions that werewolves are involved in. And yet when they're in werewolf form, Edward can still hear them. That doesn't make sense to me. How do all of these little special skills work? in this mythology. It doesn't make sense because there's no consistency. It's just what's ever more convenient for the story at the time, that's what she runs with. So Edward speaking as Sam says, we will watch and listen, but no more. That is the most we can ask of our self-control. And Carlisle's like, yeah, that's cool. So um, my son Jasper, he has experience in this area. He will teach us how they fight and how they are to be defeated. And then I'm sure you can apply this to your own hunting style. Okay son. Like, I know they treat each other as a family, but like Carlisle calling Jasper his son, that just, it didn't immediately feel correct. Like, I just felt a little bit off by that. I don't know why. And also when he lays it out like that, do the wolves really need pointers on how to kill vampires? I don't know if they do. They, they did fine murdering Laurent. Does it make a difference that they're newborns? So that the newborns are stronger. Yeah, we get that, but they're still vampires. What's a werewolf going to do? Just like, rip their heads off differently. And Sam even says, how are they different exactly? And so Carlisle says, they're very new, only months old to this life. They have no skill or strategy, only brute strength. No skill or strategy. Surely the werewolves can just kill them. So they're strong. Okay, who cares? And then Sam asks how long it will take for them to arrive. And Carlisle says, they'll come across the mountains in four days in the late morning. Four days? Four days? I was led to believe that they were on their way right now. I thought that's why we had to have this 3am meeting in the woods, which could have been an email basically at this point, because a lot of information's getting swapped that I don't think needed to be swapped. Four days? How does it take them that long to go from Seattle to Forks? Bella can drive there in three hours. I don't know how it takes four days for vampires to walk there. What are they gonna stop via Port Angeles for a movie and some Italian food? What? Four days, four days. And Carlisle says, as they approach, Alice will help us intercept their path. So they're still banking on Alice's visions, even as they're currently incorporating werewolves into their plans. They're still depending on her. How dumb can you get? Ah, these fucking vampires, they're so stupid. So then the werewolves are just gonna watch. (laughs) They're just gonna watch. And Jasper steps forward and he says, they'll fight like children. The most important things you'll need to remember are, first, don't let them get their arms around you. Like, okay, how is that different to fighting normal vampires? And second, don't go for the obvious kill. That's all they'll be prepared for. As long as you come at them from the side and keep moving, they'll be too confused to respond effectively. All right, so Jasper's already telling us, there's a big threat coming, but don't even worry about it. (laughs) Stephanie Meyer says, here's the conflict of the book, but by the way, it's gonna be super easy. None of the main characters are going to die. We'll all be fine because they're really weak. And you can fight them as long as you don't fight them directly. Just go from the side. What a brilliant tactician. Everyone's like, oh, Jasper's got so much experience in this. Just attack them from the side or the behind. That's it. That's his big pointer. Like, I could have figured that out. I could have delivered this briefing. So then Jasper gets Emmett to do a little, like, pretend fight. He asks Emmett to attack like straightforward. And guess what? Jasper overcomes him. I don't know if that proves anything, but yeah, okay. Jasper gets him from behind. And then it's Alice's turn. Jasper says, all right, Alice, you're up. And he says to Bella, I know you worry about her, but I want to show you why that's not necessary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And she's like, oh, I do worry about her. That poor little Thumbelina. She's so at risk because she's so small and so dainty and so doll-like with a little pixie cut. She says it was hard to watch as Jasper sank back into a crouch facing her and then Alice closed her eyes. Oh, this is bullshit. Okay. Alice closed her eyes and Jasper starts lunging and springing for her and she doesn't appear to have moved because Bella's got human eyes. She can't really track what's going on. But apparently Alice is moving. She just can't see it. And Alice is doing this with her eyes shut because... She knows where Jasper's going to attack, apparently. Every time we've ever seen Alice have a vision, she's doing the whole, ah, ah, and she's got like a hand up on her face and she's like spaced out for a few seconds, like processing the vision, being like, oh, I have a vision. But we're meant to believe that she's been doing that at the fraction of a second while Jasper's lunging for her and then she's moving before he can get there, even though they're like a meter apart. And she's doing this, even though she knows that the werewolves are going to be involved. So that would make her talent moot. Anyway, Alice wins. Okay, great. Alice wins and Bella's so impressed because she thought that dainty little bird was helpless. So then Alice stands next to Bella and she whispers to her and says, I've got my eye on you, Bella. And Edward, who is now standing off against Jasper, apparently can't hear this. Apparently no one else can hear it because Alice has whispered it so slowly and so lightly, even though again, everyone else has had super hearing in every other instance in the past two and a half books. They were just walking over to the meadow and Alice heard Edward talking shit about her or whatever. And now no one can hear Alice's whisper, but Bella can with her human eardrums. She can hear everything. Stupid book. So she says, I've got my eye on you, Bella. And so then Bella's gaze flicks to Alice's face and then back to Edward. And Alice says, I'll warn him if your plans get any more defined. It doesn't help anything for you to put yourself in danger. Do you think either of them would give up if you died? They'd still fight, we all would. You can't change anything, so just be good, okay? How can she see anything? She's clearly seen that Bella's up to something. She's had a vision about Bella's stupid decision that she must have had earlier on in the night when she was trying to summon the bad luck gods down onto her. So even though Jacob's inextricably linked to whatever plan she's doing to save Jacob's life, 
Alice has still seen this vision, apparently. God, none of it makes sense. So then Edward and Jasper are doing the fight. And she says, Edward was faster, but the moves Jasper used were unfamiliar to him. (laughs) Edward's blindsided by someone attacking from the side rather than from the front. Oh, that brilliant tactical move. He would never have thought of watching his back or his sides while in a fight. Crazy. And so she says, they're all moving too fast to her to really watch anyway. But she says, now and then the sharp eyes of the wolves would catch my attention. I had a feeling the wolves were getting more out of this than I was. Maybe more than they should. (laughs) How does she get that? From, From looking at their eyes, looking at these animal eyes, she's like, you know what? I think they're enjoying this. And Carlisle, he gets bored. He clears his throat after some time and he's like, oh, let's call it a draw, boys. This is boring. And so then everyone takes turns trying to fight Jasper. Jasper ate his wheat bix that morning because he is full of energy. And she says, I squinted through my lashes, cringing as Jasper attacked Esme. That one was the hardest to watch. Oh, poor Esme, poor little weak Esme. You know what? She's just a female. That doesn't mean she's weak. She's a fucking vampire, Bella. You just got proved wrong with your prejudices when you watched Alice beat Jasper. And now she's like, oh no, not poor defenseless Esme. Esme can kill you. She can kill a lot of people. There's no difference between her and Emmett. There's none. There's none. They're all fucking vampires. I hate how sexist she can be. It's so annoying. And if you thought that Jasper's instruction would get any more complex, you'd be wrong. He says, look what I'm doing here. Yeah, just like that. You concentrate on the sides. Don't forget where their target will be. Just keep moving. This is brilliant stuff. This is brilliant, brilliant stuff. Just focus on the sides. Who would have thought? And then she says, and I'm a bit unsure what the hell this sentence means. She says, Edward was always focused, watching and also listening to what others couldn't see. Listening to what others couldn't see. Shouldn't she have said listening to what others couldn't hear? Listening to what others couldn't see. How can you listen to what people can't see? What? Like, what? What does it mean? Like, I think she's talking about reading minds, but listening to what others couldn't see. Well, uh, he can't see it either because he's listening. What? It must be a typo, right? So then Bella's getting sleepy and then they call it a night. And Jasper says, we'll be doing this tomorrow. Please feel welcome to come and observe again. I don't know why. I don't know what you're getting out of this. Surely you'd set up a Zoom call or something at this point because this is just totally freaking boring. Oh, attack from the sides, noted, what else? But Sam through Edward says, yep, we'll be here. So then the pack all go and sniff the Cullens because they think it would be helpful to get familiar with all of their scents. So she says they approach one by one and then she gets a better look at them because her eyes still haven't adjusted to the darkness, apparently. She just told us in great detail about the vampires fighting each other, but she apparently couldn't recognize the wolves from across the clearing. So the wolves are coming forward to sniff the Cullens and that's when she sees them again. And she says, <laughs> yeah, she sees them again. Sam was in the lead, unbelievably huge, black as midnight. <laughs> A monster straight out of my nightmares, literally. After the first time I'd seen Sam and the others in the meadow. So she had a nightmare after seeing them for the first time in the meadow. But that's not actually the first time that she saw Sam, is it? Like when she got dumped in the forest, she saw Sam then. And she didn't seem to be that bothered. But now she's, she's retconning things, saying that she's terrified of the wolves. So she's examining the wolves as they sniff out the Cullens. And she says, I was sure I could pick out a few of the new additions. So having only seen them like once in the meadow and then seeing two of them when there was that fight between Jacob and Paul, she's apparently recognized their fur and their coloring I can't even tell twin human babies apart. And here she is pointing out the wolves saying, ah, that one, that's a light gray wolf. That one over there, that's the color of desert sand. Think I've seen them before. Oh, oh, there's one with reddish brown fur. The enormous russet colored wolf. Okay, yep, that's Jacob. We know because, because of the russet description. So she's making eye contact with Jacob's wolf and he starts smiling. Well, she interprets it as a smile because she says his tongue lolled out the side in a wolfy grin, which I think is a bit of an on the nose description since he's an actual wolf. 
So he's got a wolfy grin, like, hello, obvious. So then she giggles and he comes over. He stops right in front of Bella. He stares at her. And Edward, meanwhile, he's watching this being like, what the fuck's going on here? And Jacob crouches down, drops his head. And she says, Jacob? With a question mark, like she doesn't know. She's like, Jacob, is that you? Yeah, it's a russet wolf. Who else would it be? And then she's reaching out and patting him, which is weird because she knows that's a human being inside that wolf, right? Like you don't have to pat your friend like they're a dog. But then even grosser, while she's patting his neck, he licks her face from chin to hairline, just a big old slobbery lick up her face, which is the second time he's kissed her without her consent. And she's like, oh, Jake, that's gross, Jake. And she smacks him out of the way. So someone call Peter because this is animal abuse. She's just smacking him. And she hears a coughing bark and she interprets that as obvious laughter, obviously. And it was at that point that she realized that everyone was watching the two of them. Like, of course they are. She says the Cullens had perplexed and somewhat disgusted expressions. And she says it was hard to read the wolves' faces. Although I thought Sam looked unhappy. Oh, it's super hard to read their faces. Although that expression, that's unhappiness. Like, how the fuck does she know? What, what, what is she doing interpreting animal faces here? I, oh. And I thought it was dark out. And here she is reading the expression in Sam's eyes. Like, are you kidding me? And she says, oh, and Edward was on edge and clearly disappointed. She thinks that he would have been hoping for a more disgusted reaction from her. Or at least fear. So then the Cullens leave. And then Edward, he comes and stands next to Bella. And he has a sort of conversation with Jacob through mind reading. So Bella can only hear one side of it, but Edward's saying, I've not quite figured out all the details yet. It's more complicated than that. Don't concern yourself. And she says, what are you two talking about? What are you two talking about? Will someone fill me in, please? And he says, just discussing strategy. And then Jacob, he suddenly turns around and bolts for the forest. But she says, as he darted away, I noticed for the first time a square of folded black fabric secured to his back leg. Yet he told you he carries his clothes wrapped around his ankle. But how are you seeing this in the dark? It was pitch black five minutes ago. And now I guess the sun's risen because she can see everything. And Stephanie only added that line in because now Jacob comes back out of the forest wearing pants and she doesn't want us, the dumb reader, to be like, what, where did the pants come from? So she's really got to over explain to us that he was carrying clothing. Like we know he does that. He's already told us that. You don't need to signpost that for us. We can figure it out and assume that he's not naked. God, she spoon feeds us, doesn't she? And yet I still can't get a proper timeline of this thing because apparently it's been two years. It's been one year. Laurent was hanging out for years with Arena, apparently. (sighs) The things I want to know, she doesn't tell me. But everything I don't want to know about, she tells me. So Jacob comes back wearing his black sweatpants and he says, okay, bloodsucker, what's so complicated? And Edward says, I have to consider every possibility. What if someone gets by you? And he says, all right, we'll leave her on the reservation. We're making Colin and Brady stay behind anyway. Colin and Brady, who the hell are Colin and Brady? They must be the new members of the pack, but have we ever heard of them before? Not too sure. And Bella says, are you talking about me? Like, no shit, no shit, Bella. And Jacob says, I just want to know what he plans to do with you during the fight. And she's like, what do with me? Like, yeah, you're not going to be in the fight, Bella. Did you think you were going to be in the fight? How could you have possibly helped in this fight? Apart from being human bait, how could you possibly help? And Edward, he's like, what the hell are you thinking? He says, well, obviously you can't stay in forks, Bella. And then she's like, oh no, what about Charlie? And Jacob says, don't worry, Charlie will be with Billy. It's a Saturday, right? It's this Saturday, there's probably a game on. And then Bella, she's like, wait a minute, Saturday, this Saturday? And she's all shocked. And I'm like, weren't you just there when it was said that they would be coming in four days time? And she's like, what Saturday so soon? It's like, what? She says her head is spinning. She was too lightheaded to control all of her thoughts. What? This isn't new information. And I'm sort of wondering, why are you so concerned about it being Saturday? Apart from the fact that you and all your friends might die. But she says, well, crap, there goes your graduation present. Because it's the same day as the concert. It's the same day as the concert and that's her main concern. And yet I'm assuming the concert's on at what, like 8 p.m., maybe 7.30 at the latest. I don't think she booked a matinee. And the vampires from Seattle, they're gonna be here apparently 
in the morning, Saturday morning, I feel like you could fit in a concert in the evening. I don't really think that one rules out the other. Ah, but I'm forgetting it takes four days to get to Seattle. That's right. Anyway, she says, inspiration came swiftly. I'll give the tickets to Angela and Ben, she decides at once. At least that will get them out of town. Oh, thank heavens. Thank heavens. Angela and Ben will be safe going to Seattle, where the concert is, where all of the gang violence is, where all of the murders have happened. Ah, they'll be safe. Jessica and Mike can just die, I guess. They can just burn in hell. No one cares about them. They can die in forks. But at least Angela and Ben will be safe in sunny Seattle. If I were Angela and Ben, I'd say, uh, no thanks. Have you seen the newspaper lately, bitch? Like, Seattle's dangerous. I'm not going to a concert in Seattle. Like, get fucked. So then Jacob says, why can't we hide her in La Push? And Edward says, she's been back and forth too much. She's left trails all over the place. Alice only sees very young vampires coming in on the hunt, but obviously someone created them. How can she see anything? She should have stopped being able to see things. Oh God. So then Edward says, there's someone more experienced behind this. Whoever he or she is, this could all be a distraction. So hooray feminism. Edward's finally copping to the fact that it could be a woman that's the mastermind behind this plot. So Edward says she has to be hard to find just in case it's a long shot, but I'm not taking any chances. And I'm like, okay, fly to Florida. Let her visit Renee. Like, okay, graduation time. Go and visit Renee. Done. Maybe go back to Italy. She's got a passport. Like get her out of the country. Easy. But Jacob hearing this, he says, huh. And he looks around (laughs) the landscape that they're standing in. And he points at the vast expanse of the Olympic mountains. And he says, hide her here. There's a million possibilities. Oh, brilliant. Let's hide her in the forest where the vampires will be coming. Let's do that. You could equally send her to a Disney cruise through the Caribbean, but no, let's hide her in the Olympic Peninsula. And Edward's like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Her scent is pretty strong. And combined with mine, it's especially distinct. Even if I carried her, it would leave a trail. And he says, we're not sure exactly which path they'll take because they don't know yet. But if they crossed her scent before they found us, there's some difficulties. And Jacob's like, oh, God damn it. That is a dilly of a pickle. What are we going to do? Send her on a plane. Drive her down to San Fran. Let us spend a weekend in San Fran. Like what? (sighs) Anywhere. Just go anywhere. Go to Texas. Go to the vampire museum in Texas. And then Jacob says, wait a minute. My scent disgusts you, right? And then Edward says, hmm, not bad. And Bella narrates, Edward was two steps ahead because he's figured out what Jacob's getting at. And I'm like, no, he reads minds, Bella. Here she is giving him credit for figuring something out and being two steps ahead. No, bitch, he read his mind. He's not smart here. So Edward says, yeah, it's possible. And he turns towards Jasper and he's like, Jasper, come over here. And he says, okay, Jacob. And meanwhile, Bella's like, can you stop having a conversation that's one-sided? Like, please speak out loud. So Edward says, all right, go ahead. And Jacob like scoops Bella up. I don't know if Bella gets a say in this, but Jacob scoops Bella up. And then Edward says to Jasper, Bella's scent is so much more potent to me. I thought it would be a fairer test if someone else tried. And so then Jacob He starts walking around the woods carrying Bella. And she says she said nothing. She was pouting uncomfortable in Jacob's arms. She says it felt too intimate to me. (laughs) Surely he didn't need to hold me quite so tightly. Okay, he did just lick your face. That was pretty intimate too, but you giggled. So she says Jacob walked about half a football field in an arc and then came back. And then she says out of nowhere, Jasper and Alice then stood beside Edward. And Edward's like, well... And Jasper says, as long as you don't touch anything, Bella, I can't imagine someone sticking their nose close enough to that trail to catch your scent. It was almost completely obscured. I don't know if this is the best test of this theory, but anyway, it's enough for them. Alice says, it's a definite success. Like, okay, Alice. And Jasper says, and it gave me an idea. And then Alice says, which will work. And Edward says, clever. And Jacob's like, what the fuck? Can someone fill me in? And he says to Bella, how do you stand that? And I agree, I don't know what the fuck's going on. 
And then Edward ignores Jacob and says to Bella, where, well, you're going to leave a false trail to the clearing, Bella. The newborns are hunting your scent. Your scent will excite them and they'll come exactly the way we want them without being careful about it. Alice can already see that this will work. What the fuck? Alice, Alice can already see that it will work. How? How? She shouldn't be able to see shit. (sighs) Edward says when they catch our scent, they'll split up and try to come at us from two sides. (sighs) Okay, whatever, 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 whatever. So they're all happy thinking that they've come up with the best plan and they already know it's going to work because Alice told them. But Bella, she feels sick about it. She says, I felt sick. How could they be so eager for this? How could I stand having both of them in danger? I couldn't. I wouldn't. No, you can't. There must be another way. And then apparently Jasper might have been thinking about using Bella as a bit of human bait, which I think we're all thinking. And Edward says, absolutely not. And Jasper says, well, I mean, if Bella was there... It would drive them insane. They wouldn't be able to concentrate on anything but her. It would make picking them off quite easy. And Edward's like, a noob. And then Jasper's like, oh, it's just a thought, just a thought, like calm down. So then Jasper and Alice run off and Jacob's staring after them with disgust. And Edward says, oh, oh don't worry about that. Jasper looks at things from a military perspective. Yep, he, he, was, he was in the military for all of like three days before he got turned into a vampire. He looks at all the options. It's thoroughness, not callousness. Okay, sure. I don't know why he feels the need to defend Jasper to Jacob of all people. So then she says Edward and Jacob are just like standing opposite each other and there's this weird physical tension in the air. She says it was like static between them, an uncomfortable charge. Here we go with the magnet metaphor again. The magnet metaphor again. I can't, I can't. And then because they have days to plan because it takes so long to get from Seattle to Forks, Edward says, I'll bring her here Friday afternoon to lay the false trail. Then you can meet us afterwards and carry her to a place I know, completely out of the way and easily defensible, blah, blah, blah. And then Jacob says, okay, well then what are we gonna do? Leave her with a cell phone? And Edward's like, I guess, do you have a better idea? And Jacob says, actually I do. And then Edward again, catching on, but also reading his mind. So not really thinking for himself. He says, again, dog, not bad at all. Okay, stop calling him dog. And then Jacob's like, oh, I better explain for Bella who can't mind read. He says, we tried to talk Steth into staying behind with the younger two. He's still too young, but he's stubborn. So I thought of a new assignment for him, cell phone. And Bella's like, oh, yeah, that's a cool story. Like she doesn't have a fucking clue what they're talking about. And so then Edward says, as long as Seth is in his wolf form, he'll be connected to the pack. Distance isn't a problem. And Jacob thinks, yeah, 300 miles. And Edward says out loud, 300 miles, that's quite impressive. And Jacob says, yeah, that's the farthest we've ever gone to experiment. Still clear as a bell. So they're making this plan to to put Bella with Seth so that they can think and use their mind connection to communicate. Or you could just use a cell phone. Like, was it that crazy of an idea? Just give her a cell phone, ah, whatever. If they wanna overcomplicate things, then go for it, by all means. Meanwhile, she's just thinking, oh, little Seth Clearwater, he's a werewolf too. Oh God, they grow up so fast. Like, yeah, bitch, because of all the vampires around, the people in the pack are turning into werewolves. We've covered it, we've covered it. We did a whole campfire story about it. Like, come on, catch up. And Edward's like, I like that idea. I'll feel better about that. But to think it's come to this, trusting werewolves. And Jacob says, fighting with vampires instead of against them, crazy. And Edward says, well, you do still get to fight against some of them. And Jacob's like, that's the reason we're here. So they're bros now. They're just being bros. There's a bromance afoot. And that's the end of the chapter. And I still maintain that that meeting could have been an email. So the next chapter is called Selfish. Oh, what's the bet? Bella's gonna do something selfish. We'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, I'd encourage you all to jump over to patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks and check out the bonus content that is available over there. The patrons and I were about halfway through our read of Insurgent. And I think Triss and Bella have so many similarities. They've both got this sacrifice streak that they're obsessed with. And it's infuriating. 
and both books have a timeline that's a bit murky. And now I'm thinking like, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a shit reader, but that's neither here nor there. So yet you just go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books for access. Um, and also if you haven't left a rating or a review yet, please do if you can. On Spotify, you can rate five stars. On Apple, you can leave a little review and also rate five stars. Why not? And I'll see you guys next week for chapter 19. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.